Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. All right. So before we get started, I think there were about 30 middle schoolers who hopped on a bus this morning at 7, our bus, to head to New Mexico uh, for camp. And uh, I thought we should pray for them. So would you join me real quick, lifting up our middle schoolers? So Father, we just thank you uh, for this chance for them to go to camp, Lord. And uh, Lord, I do pray that it would be fun. I pray that uh, they'd have a great time. But I pray that every single one of them would encounter you, Lord. I pray that they would have a moment with you, Jesus, where for the rest of their life, they'll just say, well, where else am I going to go? Because I know he has the words of eternal life. And I pray, Lord, that you would have a divine appointment for every single one of those kids who you love so much. And Lord, we do bless our bus, and we ask you'd help it to run well, that there be no problems, that they get there safely and come back safely in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining me in that. So if you think about it this week, just lift up our kids. Pray that God does something powerful in each of their lives. I know for many people, it's a mission trip or it's a camp that God changes everything and it affects the rest of their lives. And middle school is a crucial time for them. So please uh, please keep them in prayer. So we're in this uh, series right now, Stand, Fight, Win. And uh, we're talking uh, about the different uh, strategies that the enemy uses against us. And it's not stand, fight, survive, or stand, fight, and kind of hang in there. We're going to talk about every week here for the next number of weeks how we can stand, how we can fight, and how we can win. And we're going to start this one, the, the second week now, we're talking about the test of temptation. Satan brings temptation against us, and it's quite a test. It reminds me of a, a test I had to take. Um, so I went uh, to college to get an English degree, and as I was about to finish it up, my mom said, so what are you going to do with that? And I was like, I don't know. That's a good question. It's been fun reading a lot of books. But um, so I went and uh, stayed in for another year or so, and I got a secondary teaching license. And in order to become an English teacher, you had to pass a few uh, tests. So, you know, there's the state exam to be a teacher. And then there was a grammar mastery exam, which I flunked the first time, but I got through the second time. And then uh, you actually, it's embarrassing to say, but you had to take a spelling test, and I couldn't do it. In fact, all you had to do was you had to you had to get to the 75th percentile of high school seniors in Colorado, and I got like 72. And so then I, I took it again, and I don't know, I didn't I didn't do it, I didn't make it. And so the thing is, is like I had like all my schoolwork done all this time, and uh, you can take the test three times, and if you don't pass it on the third time, too bad. And so, um, you know, praying, freaking out, and actually studying this time, and uh, went in, and, you know, I, I snuck through there. And so, now, you, I just want you to understand, see, that test, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't unfair. It was actually just revealing. See, what, what had happened is, uh, back, I mean, all the way back in fifth grade, um, I used to cheat like crazy in spelling, in fact, I had a really good friend, Stacy Kirch. Uh, she was super smart. I wasn't super smart, but we were good friends. And she would always like the spelling workbooks. Anybody have spelling workbooks? She would like hand her spelling workbook to me right before class, and I would just get it all done. And then um, when it was time for a test, I this is like now kids never do this. Never do this at home. 
Okay, never do this at school, but um, the, the, my best strategy is you take a Kleenex and you write all the answers on the Kleenex, okay? And then um, when the teacher like is onto you, they start coming your way. You just blow everything you got into that Kleenex and you just put it on the corner. They never, ever touch it. It's always worked every single time. And so then, sorry, teacher, said I let that one out. But now you know. You already knew, didn't you? So anyway, this is, I get up to take this test, and it's just a result of what's in me. I just couldn't spell because I cheated my way through spelling. And that's what temptation actually does, is it reveals what's inside of us, what's already there. I mean, think about it. Jesus goes into the desert. The Holy Spirit leads him into the desert, and he's tempted three times. And what do those temptations reveal about Jesus? It's perfect. He's sinless, that he's not going to fall. Now, we know that God doesn't send temptation. So let's, uh, if you have your Bible, open it up to James 1, and we'll look at 13 here. So, so God may even use it, but he certainly never sends it. It says in verse 13, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. So God doesn't bring temptation to you. Do you understand that? For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, what happens? By his own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. And the only way that it could possibly be used, that any good could come out of it, is it will reveal what's inside your heart. But God does not want you to sin. See, that's just never from him. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this book, right? That's the whole problem. This whole thing is that sin is a big, big deal that God is perfect and holy, and that's why Jesus came to die for us. I mean, that's how big of a deal it is. And it causes so much destruction in our life that Jesus, that God would never, ever partner with sin in our life. But one thing that it does is it shows us what our desires are. Sometimes it reveals our needs. Most of all, it shows, are you going to trust God to provide for those needs? Are you going to do it his way for these things that are calling and pulling in you, or are you going to do it some other way, figure it out on your own? Now, if you're not drawn to something, if you're not desiring something, if it doesn't have a, a pull on you, or maybe you're not maneuvering, or you know, there's something inside of you that causes that to happen, it's likely just an accident. My daughter, uh, she just had an accident uh, a couple weeks ago. And actually, unfortunately, it's the same accident that a few of my daughters have had. And uh, this is the, it's a common scenario in my family. I don't know why, but this is what happens is that they are uh, sitting at a light or they're stopped, you know, and they're doing something and not paying attention. And the car next to them goes, right? And without looking, they go. But guess what? The car in front of them wasn't going. Now, that's happened I don't know how many times. You know that, that actually they have deputized me at State Farm? Like, like I, we've had so many accidents in my family that I just call them up. I'm like, this is the process you're going to take me through. And it's going to go like this and this. They sent me a letter that said, stop having accidents in your home. Like, we're going to kick you off. I'm like, I know, I know. It's a horrible problem. This does have to stop here. But is it a sin that my uh, daughters keep having accidents? Well, you know, you know what's a sin is my insurance rates. Those are a sin. But that's, you know, that just happens. But, but sin is actually, it's pulling on something inside of us. These desires, James says, it plays on these desires. And it can happen spontaneously. It can happen just like an accident. But it pulls on something deeper. And look at verse 15 here. And it says, okay, so it starts with this desire that's inside of us. And maybe that desire is evil. Maybe that desire is not evil. Maybe it's just a natural need. But it says, then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin. And sin, catch this, when it is in full grown, gives birth to death. Sin always brings death. That's the end result of sin. 
And one thing that we have to understand, why this is such a big deal to God, why temptation is so important for us that we need to know how to stand and fight and win is because the price of sin is always bigger than the benefit. Always. It is always a losing proposition. And I want you to understand there is no such thing as a victimless sin. You know, we think, well, this doesn't really affect anyone else. It always affects someone else. Let's take uh, pornography, for example. Like, if, even if no one ever finds out, there are a slew of victims in pornography, starting with the one in the video or the one in the picture, right? Did you see um, in the news, uh, there's a, uh, a woman who was going by the name of Black China, and she had this OnlyFans account. And a few months ago, she actually gave her life to Jesus. And then on May 11th, she got baptized. And so she shut down this account this pornographic account that was bringing in $20 million a year. And this is what she says about it. She says, God told me you don't need to be doing this. Catch this. This is not why I put you here. Now listen, this is what people who are in there, when they're caught in that, this is what they're doing. This is not why I put you here to degrade yourself. Did you get that? I got tired of being sick and tired. Obviously, it was something I wasn't doing right. Okay, so there's that victim in the middle of it. And then there's the victim of our spouse uh, and the way that we look at them and treat them. And then there's the victims of the way that we look at our kids and the way that we look at sex and then the way we look at ourselves. I mean, there's just no such thing as a victimless sin. And it's a trap. And did you know that statistics actually show that people who engage in that and are caught in that actually have have sex less frequently and it's less fulfilling for them? See, because the enemy always gives you a substitute and it's always worse than what God wants to give. That's one of the reasons he's saying, don't sin. I've got something better. Will you trust me? Don't fall into that temptation. But I want you to understand this is not a sermon about saying no to temptation. This is a sermon to prepare you for victory when the temptation comes. It's not about just saying no. You know why it's not? Because I want you to win. And your willpower only gets you so far. Studies have shown that that willpower is actually limited. It's like a muscle, and it tires out. You can think of it like like a little tank. And so you say no, and you have a little less. And you say no, and you have a little less. And you say no, and you have a little less. And then all of a sudden, you find that you're saying yes, because your willpower only takes you so far. So what we have to do, the first thing is make it so you don't have to have willpower. Get out of there. So I want to show you this... um, I've got this uh, medal. This is the only uh, running medal I've ever had. It's, I, I display it proudly in my office. Um, and it's the only run, official run, that I've ever signed up for. And it was in 2019, and I am the age category winner. So now it sits on my desk, but there's one thing that, uh, as it sits, not on my desk, in my office, but there's one thing as people see my amazing medal that they don't know, and that is I was the only one in that age category. So maybe, I think there maybe was one other guy, but he's just, I forget it, about halfway through, he just quit. I mean, literally, the guy who took the age category above me, literally, I watched him, he walked the whole way, okay? Now, I like medals like this, where you just, you know, you just show up and you get one, and that's why I'm never going to enter another race again, because I don't want to have to train, Right? I like just getting medals. And see, that's how a lot of us, that's how we are uh, working through our Christianity. It's like, well, we just show up. Here I am, right? But here's the problem. We have an enemy who is skilled and he's crafty 
and he's fierce. And he's coming after you. The Bible says like a roaring lion looking to devour you. And you just can't show up and think that you're going to win because he knows how to get to you. He's skilled. And you'll see championships actually, they're not won on the arena. The championships are won in the weight room. They're won on the practice field, right? And so most professional athletes, uh, they, they work out at least three, usually up to six hours every single day, six hours a week. We got the Nuggets that are about to take the championship, right? First time ever. And so you know what? A, a pro, an NBA athlete shoots at least 300. Many of them shoot 1,000 shots a day to get ready for that. And see, right now, it's the same for us. The victory that you're going to have tomorrow is actually built in what you do right now. You are getting ready right now for your future temptation. You are setting yourself up either to fall or to win and stand. And Jesus, he, he doesn't leave us defenseless, okay? We have a crafty enemy, but we have the power that we need. We do not have to fall to temptation. And he's given us you now each of these things that Satan comes against us. But we look in Ephesians 6, and there's a corresponding piece of armor that God has given us. And when it comes to temptation, God has given us the breastplate of righteousness to protect us, righteousness to move forward. And understand, it's thick. And there's a little balloon falling, about to hit you on the head. I don't know where it's from. So it's thick, and it covers the major origin, organs, and it, it's, it's developed over time, and our righteousness gets bigger and bigger. But listen, it takes practice. There's some people, I, I think it's fine if you want to pray the armor on every day. It helps us be mindful. I think there's always power in every prayer and protection, but I don't really think that that's how the, the armor is intended to come together. I think the armor is practiced. I think the armor is developed. I think we increase the armor over time. And so every single time that you choose righteousness, you see, you have to understand that you're actually building a little stronger breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness begets righteousness. And every time you decide, here's a sin, I'm not going to do it, you've actually become a little bit stronger. You're actually growing in your ability to see purity and to see through and move forward. So every time you make the right choice, have a little celebration. I'm strengthening myself. So this is what we need to do. Matthew 26, Jesus talks about temptation. And he says in Matthew 26, 41, he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Watch and pray. So pray now so you won't fall into temptation later. Jesus knows what's coming. They're in the garden right now. He's about to be crucified. It's about to be their worst night of their life. And isn't it so interesting? We've talked about this before. Isn't it so interesting that God doesn't say, now make sure things are about to fall apart. Make sure that your party holds office. Doesn't say that. Make sure that you have uh, the swords and the ammunition you need. Make sure that you have the money and the resources for what's about to take place. What is his concern? What is Jesus? I mean, when it really, really counts, what is he concerned? Don't sin. That's where it's won. That's where it's lost. Don't fall into temptation. All that other stuff, sure, it's important, and we need to deal with it, but this is really the big battle. Are you going to fall in or not? And he says, now watch and pray and be ready, which brings us to our first point. If you want to win tomorrow, this is what you have to do today, and it's simply this, decide beforehand. You have to decide right now. You have to decide it's a sin or it leads to sin, and if it's a sin or it leads to sin, it's not for me. When is the worst time to decide about dessert? 
when the tray is right in front of you, right? You, you lose then. For me, like I'm trying to eat more salads in my life. I have to gear up like a month in advance. You know, like, okay, I'm going to Padres and, and I can get the mother load calzone or I can get some spinach, you know? And it's like, I have, if I decide there, it is the mother load every single time. I have to decide like for two weeks, come on, Carl, you can do it. You can order a salad. Come on. And I get in there and if I'm not geared up, I won't do it. If I'm geared up, then I'll win. I have to decide beforehand. Once I'm there, I smell the pizza. It's like, oh, mother load. Yeah. Right? Here's the problem. Listen, a lot of us, we just haven't decided. We haven't decided. Listen, this is why I've decided I don't smoke weed because I don't have a medical condition and I've decided that is not the right way for me to get mellow. There's, there's another way that God has for me, right? It's why I've decided as I'm watching a TV that I will never ever, I, I will not click on a thing that says rated R or mature audiences only because I have learned every time I click that, I'm gonna have to see something that compromises my spirit and my soul. So it's not when I, I mean, I don't know about you, but you're scrolling and looking and looking and you're desperate, you'll press anything. That's not the time to decide. I've already decided before I even sit down. If it says our mature audiences, it's not for me. I just made that decision. And see, some of us, we're, we're not decided. I mean, the Bible shows us that greed and selfishness is sinful, but some of us are like, eh, I'm an exception, Right? I've talked about this before. The Bible shows us clearly that sex is for a man and a woman in the context of marriage. And some of us are like, mm, I don't know. We haven't really decided. Here's a challenge, church, for your freedom, for your life. Decide that God decides. Decide that God's word defines what's right and wrong. That God determines what's good for us and God determines what's bad for us. You know, what everybody else thinks, that is a poor indicator of what's right and what's wrong. I mean, think about it. Throughout history, we get it wrong. Culture gets it wrong all the time. In the 30s, I mean, there was a whole country of Germans who thought fascism was a great idea. There was a, a, a huge block of Americans who thought slavery made sense, right? And it's so funny to me because you look out and you know, the way that culture talks about itself right now is like, you know, we finally figured it out. Our modern sensibilities, we've kind of risen above. And now we know, right? It's the most ridiculous thing. Why on earth would you, would you ever think that culture would get it right? It has never gotten it right so far. And all we're seeing right now is just a different iteration of doing it our way instead of doing it God's way. And that's why I think actually it seems more off Culture seems more off than ever. Do you know why? Because it is less and less involved with and focused on God and his ways. It's always going to be wrong. Out, apart from him, it's just not going to be right. So we don't look at what other people say, say. We don't look at what modern sensibilities tell us. We don't certainly don't look to culture. Culture is like the worst indicator. We decide, listen, if you want life, if you want freedom, if you don't want to bring death into your marriage and your family and your home, we decide that God decides. And see, once I know, once I know that, you know, and there's some things, listen, there's some things that are wrong for me that really might be okay for you. Now, there are things that are just wrong for everybody. Scripture makes it clear. 
But once I've decided, like, no, nah, that always leads to a mess for me, then I've got one choice. Uh-uh. I'm not going to be part of it. And here's the next thing, is you need to decide that you can decide. If you believe that you cannot resist a certain temptation, I will tell you, you are 100% correct. But that's not what Scripture says. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You're not the only one going through this. Many people have faced, Jesus faced many of the temptations that you're facing. And God is faithful. Anybody believe God is faithful? God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, this people have twisted this passage to say God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not what it says. I have more than I can handle all the time. I'm desperate for him. I need him. This says you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. It says you don't have to sin. Why? Check out what happens. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. See, he will give you a way out of the temptation. And you have to understand that oftentimes the way out is way before the actual temptation hits you. When I was in college, I had a bona fide problem with alcohol. And if I had three beers, I had 13 beers. And I did that a lot. Okay? And about, oh, 30 plus years ago, I decided that I need to change. I figured out what my limit is. And it's been more than 30 years since I've been drunk. Because, see, you understand, though, I didn't decide when I got to the bar. And I didn't decide when I had my little solo cup at the Kager. And I didn't decide when I was swimming up to the all-inclusive, all-you-can-drink bar in Mexico. I made that decision 30 years ago that I know that this is where I stop. And God gave me a way out. See, but listen, it's not after three beers. Three beers, the off-ramp is way back there. I've already passed it up. It's too late for me. And yeah, will God give us grace? Sure. I mean, you could call out at him at any time, but I'm already in trouble if I've gone that far down the road. And I know, oh, I got to back this thing up. And I've decided, like, I know where I have to stop. And listen, for some of us, many of us, the answer for alcohol is none. That's the place for you. And if that's your place, listen, decide now. Because I, you know, I've determined there is way too much on the line for me to ever fall into that junk again. I've got a family I got to care for. I've got a church I want to minister to. I've got a God I want to please and serve. So I have decided beforehand where it's going to be. See, you can decide. And the earlier you decide, the better. Now, here's the second thing you need to do. The next point in your notes, if you want to win with temptation, is you need to recognize what's driving you in the middle of this temptation. Recognize what's driving you. James, back to James now, in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from, and here we see this word again, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. It's like, what's inside of you right now? What's driving this right now? that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? 
And anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You know what one of Satan's best plays is? One of his best works is to take, to come to you and twist a real need. To come and, and twist a real desire. Now, I, I was taught that Christianity is mostly just kind of gutting it out, right? That's, that's what I grew up with. I grew up with, you know, when it came to drugs, just say no. When it came to sex, you put on your purity ring, right? Just do the right thing. That's just, and you know what? That's, that's part of it. But that's just like 10% of winning. That's, you know, that's the willpower part. That's the arena. 10% is deciding. 10% is saying no. 90% is dealing with what's driving us. See, I, I personally, I don't think purity culture was bad. I, I just think it was incomplete. And we wanted 100% of the results was just like 10% of the solution. It, it's like taking your, uh, your kid and, you know, anyone try to teach someone how to drive a, a manual stick shift, right? And, and if you were just going to tell them, okay, what you do is you're pushing the clutch when you want to change gears. Now go have at it. Good luck. It's woefully incomplete, isn't it? I mean, there's just so much more that they have to learn. And so, yeah, you just say no, but there's so much more. And willpower, like I said, it has its limits. And it's so much better for you to get in a place where you don't even have to use willpower. So saying no, listen, saying no is actually, okay, making sure you are in the right situation. That you don't put yourself in that situation. Saying no is actually making sure you have a healthy mindset when it comes to this real need in your life. Saying no is having awareness of what's driving these needs and driving this temptation and why am I weak and susceptible to this temptation. Saying no is working through the brokenness in our life so Satan can't come in there and find a little chink in your armor and your blessed prayer to righteousness and say, ah, right there, yeah. I'll hook them right there because they haven't dealt with that one. Take, for example, loneliness. If you are chronically lonely, I want to tell you, you're in danger. When we're lonely, we're in danger. Do you know why? Because it's a real need. God has created us to connect with one another. See, and you can ignore it. You can, you can ignore it, but listen, the enemy won't. He'll see it, and he'll use it, and he'll leverage it against you. And if you don't find a God-honoring path, the enemy is happy to give you all sorts of twisted substitutes that can lead to your death and lead to your destruction, that tear apart your armor so your heart's exposed. And there's so many temptations that come against us, and they're just masking as temporary cures. So many places to escape right now. So many ways to run away. So many addictions. So many attitudes. I mean, with loneliness, it's so easy to turn into anger and hate and cynicism. Well, nobody cares about me. Satan would love to have you there. All sorts of deviant expressions that we can go that's just trying to meet this need that we have from God to be loved. And they all help a little bit for a little while until they don't. Until they erode your breastplate of righteousness. It's no coincidence the breastplate of righteousness covers your heart, right? Because what does God say? Above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. And see, we, we let temptation in and that it just opens up a little bit more and we let temptation in and it opens up a little bit more and our heart then, our heart's exposed. And Satan exposes our heart and then you know what he does? He entraps our heart. And then you know what ultimately he wants to do? Is he wants to damage your heart. 
That's why it's so important we have that breastplate of righteousness on. So one of the things that we, we encourage you to do here is get in a small group. Get in a D group. It's where you're connecting with other people regularly. And it is an answer, maybe not the answer, but an important answer to real needs for belonging, connection, growth. I, actually, I, I see the, a small group. It's like going to the gym. It's working out. It's getting ready. It's, it, having other people in your life there actually helps inoculate you for temptation when it comes. And church, this is why we have to deal with our issues. This is what, you know, Jesus, he makes it so clear you have to forgive. I cannot tell you how many people I have ministered to that, that are physically sick, emotionally sick, that are in absolute bondage, and the root is unforgiveness. It's a trap. It, uh, unforgiveness is such an opening for the enemy to come in and tempt you, to drag you away and give you some false solutions. Or your judgments. Man, you got to deal with them or your anger or your disappointments or your rejection. Because listen, if it is in you, it will find expression. Now, you don't have to be afraid. Like, oh God, I'm angry. Now I'm vulnerable. You know, no. Now the, you come and you say, Jesus, this is in me. This is true. This is real. Now, where are we going to go? And listen, he will give you a path. Whether you need to go to a pastor or a counselor or a friend or a group, he will help you find a way over if you, through it, if you are determined to go through it. Because Satan would love to channel the way it's expressed. He would love to nudge you in the wrong direction. So the last thing that we have to do here, if you want to win with temptation, is simply this. Get stronger. Right now, get stronger. That's what we're doing right now. Have I, have I ever told you that I think it's important for Christians to read their Bibles? I'm going to tell you again. If you are a follower of Jesus, you need to be in your Bible every single day. Every day. I mean, if it's just one chapter. It, it, like, not reading your Bible, it's like trying to go through life without eating. I'm just going to eat once on Sunday. Better be good, because it's got to last me till next Sunday. Right? Well, what if it's not? Sometimes it's not. See, that's up to you. It's up to me. We need to be self-feeders. We, we need to get in the Word. We need to keep growing. That makes us stronger. So I'm, I'm really, um, I've been really into mountain biking uh, this uh, summer. Went and did a little like um, bike packing trip already and just going out there. And one of the things about mountain biking is you're going down the trail. Wherever you look, that is where you're going to go. And so I have learned, like, you don't look at the waterfall over there. Because next thing you know, you're sitting in a bunch of cactuses. And they hurt, especially when you get back on the seat, right? So you have to watch. And wherever you watch, that's where you're going to end up. You're going to be off the trail in a flash. So here's the thing. The best thing, I think the very best thing you can do to stand, fight, and win with temptation is simply this. Just fall more in love with Jesus. Just put your eyes on Jesus because he is the real thing. And that is the one thing that Satan desperately wants to interrupt for you. You know, I found this truism that um, the older you are, uh, the more important your lawn becomes. Why is it, old guys, that we love our lawns so much? And here, here's one of the things. The best way to get weeds out of your lawn, one of the best ways to do it is have a lush green lawn, right? If you got little dead patches, what's going to grow there? That's where the weeds grow. So, you know, you just water that lawn, you take care of that lawn, and it chokes out all those dandelions, right? Most of them anyway. And what's the best way to choke out temptation in your life? 
to inoculate yourself from temptation in your life. It's a full heart that's just enjoying Jesus. Does anybody here enjoy Jesus? You know, I want you to understand that. I mean, he wants life for you. Falling in love with Jesus isn't boring. It's exciting, and it's passionate, and it's fulfilling. And living by the Spirit, listen, that's an adventure. I mean, he's taking me to places where, holy cow, how, why do I get to be with these people and talk with these people and go to these places? I mean, living by the Spirit, you see amazing things in your life. And being free is just better. Staying away from sin is just, you know, I, um, I, I used to have just these episodes every once in a while of debilitating fear. And God, he just released me. He freed me of that, I don't know, four or five years ago. And you know what? I like it better. It's better without that. I'm never going back to that. Freedom is good. And we want to walk in that freedom. And it's like this. The more I pour into my marriage, the more I, I just I, I, I go after Gina and I, and I care for her and I love her, the less I have to worry about either of us going astray. We're not sitting there like, okay, well, let's not have an affair here. Let's not have an affair here. It's just, no, no, I just look at my wife. Same way. Just look at Jesus here. And the more I engage with worshiping him and focusing on him and being with him in all things, the less I have to think about those things that are taking me away. It's so much better instead of like, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, to say, oh, I'm doing this. I'm going after this. We overcome, temp you know, there's this idea that, that we overcome temptation by depriving ourselves, right? Let's be miserable and deprive ourselves, and then we won't fall into sin. It's actually the exact opposite that happens. But misery often leads to sin because no one wants to stay in misery. So we find life. We find what God has for us. We overcome by filling yourself with the life-giving solutions that God pours into our life. You know, we serve. You know, serve the city. Well, that's coming up here. I, I love serve the city because I look around, and you know what I see? Everybody's happy. I mean, there's one or two grumpy guys. that Like, I don't like to paint or something like that. But for the most part, I mean, everyone's just happy. Why? Because you're doing the thing that God has for you. Service brings joy. It brings life. To go roll up your sleeves, it's just there's something good about it that fills you up. Communion, we're going to celebrate communion here in just a minute. It's another way just to fill yourself up with life-giving things. Connections with other believers. Going out and having fun with your family. Worshiping God that way. I mean, it just fills you up. God has given us plenty of ways to enjoy our life. To be filled in this life. That we don't have to go for these substitutes. And we don't have to go for these foolish things that Satan puts in front of us. Fill ourselves. Let's fill ourselves. I mean, right now, just fill ourselves with prayer and communion. I want to pray uh, the Lord's Prayer. One, because I just want to make sure that you know it. Anyone who's like grown up in this church, they're going to know the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to pray it every once in a while. But um, another thing is you just see like this model. It's a model for so many things. But how we kind of get through life in this way, you know, we start off glorifying God. And we ask for him to come in the, our midst and to move in our midst. Then what do we do? We ask him to take care of our daily needs, right? And then he fulfills those things, and we ask him to keep us out of sin and out of temptation. We, uh, I forgot, we, we deal with our stuff, and uh, we ask for forgiveness, and we let go of our unforgiveness. And then when we go through that, th then we see his glory and his kingdom come in the midst of us. We see him grow in amazing ways, and we grow in amazing ways, grow in us in amazing ways. So let's pray that together right now. Let's pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, now we're going to move into communion, another way to connect, another way to be filled. And and I'm actually going to give you some special instructions for communion this time. And of course, if you've come burdened with sin, this is a great time to lay that down, put it before God. And listen, it reminds us that we are literally forgiven and the blood covers our sin. But this is what I want to do. I I believe that God put this in my heart, and I I think God's going to meet you. He met me in a big way uh, last night as I was doing this. So I want you to ask three questions after you get the elements here. Okay? And the first question I'm going to challenge you to ask is, God, just ask, Holy Spirit, when am I tempted? What things are tempting me right now? What things are pulling on me? What sins seem to have like an angle on me right now? Okay, so Lord, Lord, where am I tempted? Okay, then the second question is, Lord, what need is behind that temptation? Why is it that I'm susceptible to that one? Why is it that that one has found a door into my heart? And then here's the third question. Lord, what's your solution? What's the better solution? Okay, I'm telling you, God's going to meet you. If you engage us, he's going to show you. If you listen, he'll show you. Okay, so three questions. Where am I tempted? What's the need behind it? What's the better solution? Where am I tempted? What's the need behind it? What's the better solution? So let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I just ask now as we engage in this, Lord, I know that you want freedom. I know that you want life for us. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that as all of us ask these questions, that every single one of us, you would give us answers. Lord, show us those places where we're at risk. Show us those places even where we're falling that we don't even recognize. Show us, Lord, the temptations that are getting at us. And then, Holy Spirit, would you reveal, Lord, Lord, what's behind it? And then, Lord, show us your better solution. Show us the life that you have because you are here for our life. Lord, you don't want death for any of us. So I pray that you would reveal this, Lord, to help strengthen us against these things that are coming against us, how the enemy is trying to trap and trick us. Use this time right now. And as we take communion, Lord, we we just pray for your blood to cover this, Lord. The grace to cover our weakness, the grace to cover this temptation, the, the strength, Lord, the sustenance from you to move forward and never fall. I thank you that your divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Help us to walk in it, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.